Hello, good evening, no fancy intro tonight, I'm sorry about that, but this is something new that I'm going to try. I don't know if I'll be doing it more often, but I have a lot to say these days. For this episode, I've put together thoughts, notes, and published writing for a dive into the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and the bigger issue of a tiered approach to justice in America by comparing two different effectively forgotten episodes of mayhem and tragedy to the Rittenhouse case. So to start, we're going to Texas. After a fight at Timberview High School in Arlington, a black 18-year-old named Timothy George Simpkins shot another student four times. He shot an English teacher once, just missing his aorta, and wounded one more student with a bullet graze. A pregnant teacher was also hurt in a fall during the incident. The student that Simpkins shot in the arm, leg, chest, and stomach was placed in an induced coma and had to undergo surgeries. The English teacher who nearly died is recovering, and the expectant mother is reportedly okay. Don't worry about Simpkins, though. He posted bail the day after the incident and strolled home in time for a surprise party that was shamelessly broadcast over social media. His family even set up a GoFundMe account to raise $25,000 for his trauma. Simpkins' mother claimed he had been the victim of bullying implying his actions could somehow be considered self-defense, a narrative police have thankfully countered. Quote, I am just saying that there is so much more to the story, and all of the details should be known, Simpkins' mother said. Why do you suppose she claimed he was bullied? Because of his race? Because he is disabled? According to his mother, Simpkins was bullied because he is from a financially blessed family, he is the owner, she said, of fancy clothes and a $35,000 car. Not bad for a high schooler. He's also at odds with the typical victim narrative of poverty pushing people, and specifically minorities, to commit violent crime. Simpkins is, in fact, privileged, but privileged in more ways than one. In this country, whites are supposedly perched atop the edifice of entitlement, sheltered by white privilege and white supremacy. But Simpkins' case shows that's not really true. There is a stronger case that our institutions and culture support non-white privilege, or at least hold an anti-white bias. When Rittenhouse shot three people in self-defense, killing two during last year's riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the media and culture immediately pushed for maximum punishment and they haven't stopped. There has been no such cultural push to punish Simpkins. Most people don't even know about the story, although the media usually loves to use school shootings as occasions to demand gun control. Rittenhouse was 17 years old at the time of the shootings in Kenosha, younger than Simpkins, who has been treated with kid gloves so far. Unlike Simpkins, Rittenhouse did not illegally introduce a firearm into the situation. Simpkins brought a handgun to a high school. Rittenhouse's rifle was provided to him by a friend in Kenosha, and a subsection of the relevant Wisconsin law states that it was lawful for him to carry that rifle as a minor because it was not a short-barreled weapon. The language of that law was intended to prevent youths, people like Simpkins, from carrying and concealing sawed-off shotguns as part of a broader effort to curb gang violence in the 90s. I'm not going to do a play-by-play -play of the events that led up to the shootings in Kenosha, 
all of which occurred in self-defense. Daryl Cooper at martyrmade.substack.com has already done a great job with that. I suggest you listen to his detailed breakdown of that night in his latest podcast. But I will note here something that has gone underreported before returning to Simpkins. Gage Grosskreutz, the man whose bicep Rittenhouse removed, is a member of the People's Revolution, a Milwaukee-based militant group with ties to gangs and the local government. The Daily Mail reported on August 16, 2020, just days before the Rittenhouse shootings, that Grosskreutz was arrested by cops in West Allis, Wisconsin, for allegedly prowling when he was caught videotaping police vehicles in a police department parking lot around 1 a.m. Quote, Gage appeared to be videotaping personal vehicles in a rear police parking lot, according to a police report obtained by the Daily Mail. Quote, Gage made clear his anti-law enforcement views. Gage was arrested for prowling, booked, cited, and released. It is a funny thing that this has received virtually zero attention, while every aspect of Rittenhouse's life has been scrutinized to fabricate the visage of a killer. Now back to Simpkins. Unlike Simpkins' mother, Rittenhouse's mother didn't need to convince people that her son was a misunderstood but otherwise good boy. Before the shooting, he volunteered to help clean up graffiti at a high school near the Kenosha County Courthouse. Before the shootings, Rittenhouse had been spotted providing medical aid to strangers and putting out fires. After the first shooting, he immediately turned himself over to the police, unlike Simpkins, who initially fled the scene. Rather than a pregnant woman and a young English teacher, the people Rittenhouse hurt in self-defense included an aggressive pedophile, Joseph Rosenbaum, and Anthony Huber, a vicious domestic abuser. A court set Rittenhouse's bail at $2 million because it considered him a flight risk, compared with Simpkins' 75000 Again, one of these two surrendered himself to law enforcement right away. But no good deed goes unpunished for white boys. Rittenhouse is now the face of the enemy of the state. A report on the 2020 Black Lives Matter riots funded by the State Department claimed that 93% of BLM protests in the summer of last year were peaceful, and the rare instances of violence were actually caused by right-wing agitators. It named Rittenhouse as an example. This is what the federal government does with your money. It paints a bullseye on your back because you are white and right-wing. A GoFundMe was created to support Rittenhouse's legal needs, just as it was for Simpkins. Not only was Rittenhouse's swiftly taken offline, but prosecutors also demanded that a judge force Kyle Rittenhouse's defense team to turn over the names of everyone who donated to his legal defense funds or purchased the teen's merchandise, according to a court filing reviewed by Insider. For the record, Simpson's GoFundMe was also eventually taken offline, last I checked. On the one hand, Simpkins will remain something of a celebrity for now. If he is actually punished for his crime, it will only prove that he is the victim of an iniquitous system that preys on minorities. The cradle-to-prison pipeline. On the other hand, 
our institutions have made Rittenhouse's name synonymous with everything evil. Even if he manages to walk free in the end, the sin of white privilege already taints his exoneration, and it will therefore be an injustice. It might even incite more rioting. That seems to be what the media wants and what the culture wants. All because Rittenhouse made the mistake of being born white. Just like John Marvin Weed. Weed, a 59-year-old white man, and his family were enjoying the Great Frederick Fair in Maryland when two black teens, brothers, aged 15 and 16, approached him. The older sibling asked Weed for a dollar and punched him in the back of the head. The whole thing was caught on video. The footage shows that Weed never so much as raised his hands to protect himself. After a few moments, the 15-year-old landed a vicious running punch to Weed's head that knocked him to the ground. The older brother spit on Weed's body as a larger group of black teens mocked and gloated over him. Not a single person came to his aid. Everyone just stood by and stared. John Marvin Weed would never regain consciousness. He was airlifted to the R. Adams Cowley Shock Trauma Center in Baltimore, but the damage to his brain was too severe. Weed died on a Saturday afternoon, surrounded by his mother, father, and sister. Jay, as Weed was known to family and friends, was a kind and loving man by all accounts. He had moved to Frederick County to look after his aging parents. Weed's sister, Lori Hawkins, wrote in a statement on behalf of the family, John immediately took on so many projects and all the day-to-day responsibilities for caring for us. He gave so much love to his young niece and nephew, four-wheeler rides, playing in the pool, reading bedtime stories, and so much more. After school each day, his five-year-old nephew would come in the door and ask where Uncle Jay was. He would run downstairs to see what project he could help him with. Jay would always have a project for him, be it painting, drywall work, building a fire pit, or making furniture. He was Jay's little helper. Hawkins wrote that her brother was the happiest she'd ever seen him until that tragic day at the fair. And that tragedy was made worse still when Weed's killers received a slap on the wrist. Frederick County Sheriff Charles Jenkins said in an interview that he was convinced Weed was the victim of a hate crime. Of course, it might not match the legal definition of a hate crime, or even the traditional notion of a hate crime. After all, Weed was white, and therefore the very kind of person we expect to be committing hate crimes, not on the receiving end of them. In over 40 years working as a fairground volunteer, Jim Ensor told reporters that he had never heard of a brutal or brazen assault like this. Nevertheless, despite the viciousness of Weed's killers, they would be charged as juveniles and their names and records hidden from public. Remember, both of them are about Kyle Rittenhouse's age, and yet Rittenhouse and his family were not granted any degree of privacy. They have been publicly mocked, threatened, and the Rittenhouse name is now synonymous with terrorist. But it gets better. Frederick County Judge Julie Stevenson Sult denied a request by prosecutors to try the 16-year-old as an adult. 
Shortly after that, Circuit Judge William Nicholas Jr. rejected a second request to try the younger sibling as an adult, the one who landed the fatal blow. But Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, is being tried as an adult. The younger sibling in the Weed case pled guilty to manslaughter and received a gentle stint in juvenile detention that includes a behavioral modification program and therapy. The older brother initially was charged with two counts of second-degree assault, one count for spitting on weed after he had fallen to the ground. But the second assault charge was dropped. Salt thought it would be more appropriate that he be placed on probation and undergo an anger management program. According to Weed's niece, that probation period appears to have already ended. In her statement, Weed's sister concluded that there was no excuse for what these individuals have done. According to the establishment, however, there is. And the excuse is that some lives simply matter more than others. As a white man, Weed's death provoked zero national outrage. No busts have been built in his honor. No riots have raged in his name. No celebrities have jumped on their soapbox to lament the cruel and untimely death of a good man. No politicians have kneeled for him. The same people who rioted and demonstrated over the death of George Floyd can't be bothered to care about John Marvin Weed, who lived as a better man than George Floyd ever was. And those same people who have been so loudly who have so loudly called for prison reform are demanding we place Rittenhouse behind bars and throw away the key. All these things are symptoms of an order that cannot or does not want to govern well, one that exploits and incites racial animus and facilitates anarchy and feeds on hatred. The racial aspect scares most people out of confronting or speaking frankly about it. It brought politicians to their knees last year. Politicians who allowed American cities to burn for fear of taking action and being called racist. It allowed the media to incite a riot in Kenosha based on lies about the Jacob Blake shooting that wiped out a community and left everyone there worse off. But that taboo is the armor of your enemies that prevents you from attacking the heart of this civilizational disease. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.